Gurur Brahma, Gurur Vishnu, Guru Devo Maheshwara, Guru Shakshat Parabrahma, Tasmai Sri Gurave Namaha. I bow to that infinite Guru, who is Brahma, who is Vishnu, who is Shiva, who is in you also and in me. And my duty as a disciple is try to, to try to become aware of his presence within me. The word guru comes from the Sanskrit meaning to raise, to uplift. And the role of the guru is not as you might think because the word in English for disciple is tied to the word discipline. And you might think that the role of the guru is only to discipline. But it's really the, the word chela is more like the word chele, child. The child, the disciple seeks to be the child of the guru and to absorb into himself the Guru's qualities, his wisdom, his intuition, his consciousness. Yet sometimes the Guru also has to discipline. It was amazing to see, to be with a great master and to see how he played these two sides off on one another, being lenient, being stern, depending on the circumstances. I have to admit I really never knew when he was going to be one or the other. And yet it was never whimsical. He always saw things more deeply than I. I'll never forget uh, one time when I, I felt that I was being justified in being cold to somebody. And he was very warm and loving. And, and although that person had not kept his appointments and I felt he wasn't sincere, Master just gave him all the more love. And it's beautiful now after many, many years to find that that person has remained a true disciple. Well, true-ish disciple, but at least he's remained a disciple. Yes, he's gone through his ups and downs, okay, but that's another matter. He still stayed with the Master, and that means a lot. So, the one I want to read to you from Conversations with Yogananda is on this question of his disciplining us. The Master was narrow, never narrow, in his application of spiritual principles. If a disciple committed a minor infraction, he might say nothing or refer to it only in passing. A story about James Collar illustrates this practice and does so beautifully. James was a very devout disciple who, despite his sincerity, might be described as rather less than ardent when it came to adhering to the rules. In fact, I don't know if I have this later on, but I remember the master describing him as a mouthful of, like a mouthful of hot molasses, too sticky to swallow, uh, too, too hot to swallow, and too sticky to spit out. James was driving back one evening from Phoenix, Arizona, where he served as the minister of the SRF church there. James was hungry. It was late at night, however, and every restaurant he came to on the highway was closed. At last he came upon one that was opened and entered it. All they had to serve him, unfortunately, were hamburgers, meat, in other words, and therefore forbidden to the monks. Oh, he thought he won't know. Thinking, of course, of the master, James ate a hamburger. Possibly he ate two of them. When he reached Mount Washington, he spoke with the master on the telephone. At the end of their converse conversation, the master added, Oh, by the way, James, 
when you are out on the highway late at night and you come to a restaurant that serves only hamburgers? Better not eat at all. He didn't make an issue of it, but simply put, let James know that he hadn't gotten away with his little secret as he thought they'd hoped to keep from the master. Where something really important was concerned, though, on the other hand, the master was rock firm where others might have been more lenient. Once he was upbraiding some of the monks who were falling out of tune with his ideals. If ever I find the ladies and the men mixing together in this place, he said with great emphasis, then no matter where I am in space, I shall return and blast this organization out of existence. That was quite a scary statement. He once said to us, the reason Buddhism failed in India was because of laxity in the rule of non-communication between monks and nuns. Evils arose from that freedom, and Buddhism lost its power. Where individuals were concerned, however, he could be endlessly forgiving. God will never let you down, he assured his disciples, so long as you make the effort. If ever you tell yourself, I am lost, it will be so, at least for this incarnation. But if you keep on trying, the Lord will never stop trying on his part to help you. I recall the example of Sadhu Haridas, who had left the spiritual life and his disciples to go live with a woman. Later he realized his mistake and returned to the disciples. The master said of Sadhu Haridas, as I stated earlier, he left his body at death a free soul. So remember, basically what this means is that, yes, God wants you to be firm with yourself, but yes, God will be endlessly forgiving. Don't be unforgiving toward yourself. Don't think that there is a sin that beyond which you can never um, receive forgiveness. He will forgive you to the end because in fact you belong to him. You have no other reality. Everything else is a delusion. I remember one woman who left the monastery and got married and then came back to it. And some of the people were thinking after making that mistake, how can you dare show your face here again? And her answer was a beautiful one. She said, do you want me to worship my mistakes? Why cling to what you've done? Once you see that it's wrong, correct it. Don't worry. No matter how many times you fall, just dust your hands off, get up, and keep walking. God is always going to be there waiting for you. You remember, well, maybe you don't know the Christian scripture, but the story of the prodigal son is a beautiful one. This man had two sons. One of them decided to take his patrimony, and in allegory that means the bliss of the joy that you feel from a little bit of God communion, but when people fall from that, they use that inner joy to make them think how often I've seen it happen. People who leave the spiritual path and they seem to be enjoying the world, but it's with the joy that they've gained in meditation that they can even enjoy, enjoy the world. And then after a while they begin to come back and to uh, realize what a mistake they made. Well, at that point, many, most usually, it usually happens, most people will say, well, I've failed. If you failed, well, what's the blessing of death? It is that it helps you to forget, so that you forget the mistakes you made, and you start over with a clean slate, 
and thinking, well, I'll get it right. Well, you've made that mistake many times in the past, but now you can get it right. Don't think that any mistake is forever. You have eternity to find that which you are, which is eternity. Why take all that time, however? Why waste all those lives? Is it a waste? Well, yes, it is in a way. In another way, you can be positive about it and say, well, I've learned my lesson. And so you can say, for example, that a drunkard also is seeking God, just walking in the wrong direction. But once he really knows, just like I said this the other day, um, that uh, if you break a bone, the part that heals becomes stronger than ever. And so if you've made mistakes, that part is what becomes your strongest virtue. I think I mentioned this in relation to my tendency in past lives to be doubtful. Now my faith is even stronger because I have resolved those doubts. I certainly wish I hadn't had them in the first place. Look at the time I must have wasted. But nonetheless, I'm grateful for it because I can help other people in ways that I would not have been able to do otherwise. We must have the endless ability to forgive ourselves because sooner or later you have to go back anyway. You don't have a choice. The dice are loaded. You can't get away from who you really are. You are a child of the infinite. You are not this ego. And so, yes, whereas it may help you in certain ways to have made your mistakes, and as I said, a drunkard too is seeking God, the thing is that he thinks he's going to find his joy in drink, his forgetfulness in drink, whereas you really find joy in the satchelanandam of your own soul, and you find forgetfulness when you can forget delusion and all the stupidity that goes with it and realize that you are that infinite. As Swami Sri Yukteswar said, the past lives of all men are black with many shames. Don't worry about it. The greatest master has been through it himself. God does not create a perfect being. And that is an avatar, no. An avatar is one who has been through all these things, has learned his lessons, has come out of it, can understand from his own experience what other people are suffering, and with compassion feel for that suffering and hope to lead them out of it to make him, to make everyone one with himself. This is the real avatar. Don't believe it when saints say that they've never lived before. Sometimes they'll make statements that can be construed that way. But what they're really meaning, and it's also a truth, the soul, as, the Krishna, as Krishna said in the Bhagavad Gita, the soul is never born, nor does it ever die. And so in that sense, You've never been in delusion. You've never lived in this world. But in the deeper, more practical sense, even the greatest master, the greatest avatar, all these have been at one time. I know Anandamoyi Ma, her disciples, some, some of them think that she was just manifested as uh, uh, out of Divine Mother, completely perfect. But she told a friend of mine, we've been together in other lives, she told my guru when they met that uh, we meet again after many lives. Who knows all those lives? But you can be sure that every great master has gone through it. And their perfection now doesn't mean that they didn't earn that perfection. They had to fight just as hard as you do, probably harder, because you weren't there yet. It's a long struggle. 
but it doesn't have to be long. The length of the journey is defined by us. If we think in terms of time, yes, it can take a long time. If you decide, no, I'm that right now, you can be that right now. Master said, the only thing that keeps you from being free is the simple thought that you are bound, that you are not free. I'll never forget, Boon, one of his disciples, said to him in answer to that statement, well, but if I said I was free, I wouldn't be free, would I? Master said, yes, you would, but you answered your own question. He said, I wouldn't be. You see, it's not so easy to get out of that delusion that you are not free. You can't just say, poof, I'm free. It's not like that. You have to convince your mind to its deepest level. Affirmation is helpful for sure, but if you've got an illness, if you can really with very great strength affirm your wellness, you can be well just like that. But probably you can't because it has to go down deep into your own subconsciousness. You have to be able to persuade yourself at your lowest, deepest level that you are well. And when you can do that, yes, you can be well, definitely you can be well. I had an experience of this in Mexico when I was 19. And I was in the hospital with streptococcus and tonsillitis and uh, dysentery and God knows what else. And the doctor told me I had to re resign myself to being there for at least two weeks. Well, I'd gone to Mexico on $100 and uh, I didn't think I had the money to stay there that long. My parents could have helped me, but they were in Romania. My father was sent back to Romania after the war as the petroleum attaché with the U.S. diplomatic mission. And yes, I had, some, I had an uncle and aunt who could help me, but I didn't like to help, ask for help from people. So I made discreet inquiries as to how much it would cost me to stay there uh, two weeks, and it was far more than I had. So I said, I'm just going to have to make myself well. You know, in two days I was out of that hospital. I didn't know these teachings. I did know that I was desperate to somehow not have to cost a lot of money. Desperation can also be your guru in a way. You can learn a lot of things when you have to. Now, all of this knowledge and all of this ability, however, comes from inside yourself. And you should apply this to the spiritual path. Don't say, well, I'm no saint. That's a sin in itself. The greatest sin, my guru used to say, is to call yourself a sinner. Always affirm in your mind that you are a child of God. Divine Mother, naughty or good, I am thy child, and you must release me. She loves the greatest sinner as much as she loves the greatest lover, because she loves all equally. God loves all equally. He loves you as much as he does Yogananda or Krishna or Jesus Christ or anybody. He is your mother, your father, your friend forever. So if you're seeking freedom, seek it in the right place. That's the only thing that you need to do. Don't think that you're going to find freedom outside by wealth, by political power, by gaining control over other people and uh, any, any of those outward things. That's not going to give it to you. But if you become free in your own heart by not having desires, if you become free in your heart by not being a slave to um, wanting this world to give you your freedom, you can be free in a dungeon. It's a matter of how you live inwardly. Therefore, I wrote this song, If You're Seeking Freedom. 
Listen to it. See if you don't agree with me. Joy to you. If you're seeking freedom in a revolution, oh, if you're seeking freedom, you won't find it there. For once the gun stopped blazing, you'll find it amazing how the world can drag on just as before. If you're seeking freedom, in a marble mansion Oh, if you're seeking freedom You won't find it there For even when it's sunny You'll be counting money Keeping up that showcase Your face lined with care And if you're seeking freedom on a throne of power Oh, if you're seeking freedom You won't find it there For though men all obey you What if they betray you? Tents you'll be and waiting For foes everywhere If you're seeking freedom, cast away desire. Why barter like a beggar, you've wealth everywhere. For never can you buy it, grasp and you deny it. Freedom can't be hoarded, it's free as the you're seeking freedom, seek it on the mountains, God's sunlight on your shoulders, the wind in your hair. For there's no one can hold you, boss about or mold you, once your heart is free, you'll be king everywhere. Once your heart is free, you'll be king everywhere.